All right, we're back. It's the Every Adrian Brody Movie in Chronological Order podcast, a.k.a. BrodyCast. It's Spencer. I'm here, as always, with Adam and Greg. I'm Greg. I'm Greg. Fuck. I'm Spencer. Wait, where's Adam? I'm Adam. Adam? Who's Adam? I don't know. We're here. This week, we watched Solo. Oh, my lord. What a movie it was. Solo. Solo. That's a Frank Ocean reference for all of you out of the loop. And a dope reference it was. Truly. Um, Wow. This was a... What was the year? 1996? 1996. 1996 science fiction picture uh, featuring... Adrian, obviously, and what was Mario Van Diebels? Peebles. <laughs> Mario Van Niebels. No, Mario Van Peebles. Yeah, with a P. Peebles. As in pedestrian. Like pebbles, but Peebles. Yes. Peebles in his pocket. Okay. Mario Van Peebles, Adrian Brody, some other like character actors that you can recognize, kind of. And it's the story of a robot who wants to be a man kind of um a a machine that was designed for for utter destruction has a conscience and he sort of rages against his uh creators um as they attempt to force him to kill innocent people he's got a heart he's got a heart uh but it's not where you would expect yeah yeah that's a a good description um (laughs) so adrian plays a doctor he is the creator of solo the the killer robot um and yeah it's you know adrian has to sort of navigate the sticky situation of his creation uh going out in the world and and ignoring its its prime directives which are to is to take orders and preserve itself more or less yeah well it really follows its prime directive yeah well it's weird right well i think the initial question and the reason the um uh the people in the the armed forces begin to question uh, solo the robot solo is because solo decides to disarm one of the bombs that he was going to use to blow up this airstrip because he decided he didn't want to blow up that bomb because it would have hurt a lot of non-combatants so there was some kind of political issue there with which is you know should people in the army sacrifice non-combatants for the benefit of finishing their mission yeah it's kind of weird because there were it seemed that him seeking to minimize civilian casualties was like news to them kind of it was like Mm -hmm. wait hold on a second what is going on here he should be just like a senseless killing machine because he's a machine but we see very early on that solo has a he's he's a moral guy he's he's got a compass he's trying to follow he also he also appears to love animals i mean he takes uh this little tarantula from um uh from the war field that he somehow brings back after hopping on this helicopter after surviving a yeah the detonation of a bomb from like three feet that should have certainly killed him right and then they show him at least killed the spider (laughs) Right. <laughs> then they show him drawing the tarantula later and then there's a couple other drawings of like a bird and i think a couple yeah. other animals in his little workspace he's certainly an artist we can discuss that later too because i feel like that line was dropped like basically after oh. the first act they're like oh yeah he cares about animals and he's he appreciates them for how they were designed to 
to fulfill the tasks that they are uh, they set out to do but then that doesn't come come back in the second or third acts at all well i think the main purpose of that was just to show us that solo was was not your ordinary killing machine robot yeah i, I agree that his his love of animals really dies but i think that that's the beginning of him caring about other things and then like the love okay. of animals is kind of replaced by his love of these villagers of humans human that's life. true okay so that's a brief summary of whatever this movie was um well let's go deeper into right. brody's character i mean and... brody the brode code you said was 906 Oof. early on yeah so this is right after um solo's first failed mission or success failed on yeah there, he's doing air quotes yeah failed you can't see failed. can you see quotes. that oh uh. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because we're just talking you can't see us He's making the air quotes though. Yeah. Yeah. Not anymore. But we need what? to do a, a vodcast. Ooh, is that at a some thing? point? No. Did we just invent that? I think so. Let's patent it and then and then we'll do it. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Sure. Good call. Anyway, so Brody appears uh to tend to an injured solo. Uh Brody appears looking good. Ooh. Really? Ooh. He's got a goatee. Oh, that goatee is spot on too. It's it's lush. Yeah. You know, he's your typical uh, broad appearance. You know, not nothing unusual about about him when he comes on screen. You know, it's how you'd expect Adrian to look if you, if you catch my drift. Do so you think so? I think he, I don't think he's looked like this. Yeah, this is, it, he was more of like a bro in this than than I think he's been in anything we've seen. I'm with Greg. He well, he was certainly a bro in uh, King of the Hill. Well, but it's different though, right? Because it's set in the '30s. Like he's yeah. more—he's more contemporaneous. I feel like in this movie, like he's—he exists in the time that the movie is supposed to exist. Like he feels very '90s to me. You know yeah, what I mean? for sure. Especially with his attire. Yeah. That oh man, that when he wears that shirt, the Soho shirt. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Which I don't know. Was that intentional? It's like his the program's name was Solo, so he—I <laughs> don't know. It's weird. But that shirt was probably six sizes too big. He looked like he was wearing a yeah. tent. I, I feel like he feels he. I thought he felt very out of place in this movie. Like his character, just I think his character was fine, but just his his clothes, like the fact that he's in this weird army base thing, and and they right. seem unhappy with him and this robot he's created, but he's still like there and kind of cracking jokes. He seemed very inappropriate. Yeah, and it's like a top secret military operation. You'd think that there would be at least. A semblance of a dress code yeah where you can't just wear like a white tee to your presentation <laughs> to the general and the colonel you know like that's yeah, they're on a, a boat right they're i they're on like a battleship off the coast of what is we are to assume mexico like a battleship slash warehouse of some kind i don't know it's like a floating warehouse was it a ship well, because doesn't he like the the general like orders orders them to you know turn around at some point, and I remember a guy like turning with, like a giant wheel, <laughs> and then like a huge uh, like some sort of uh, like bird's eye like helicopter shot of the of a boat moving away. Mm. I don't know. So what rebels are they fighting? It's unclear, and that I think is part of why this movie is just not very good. Is because it what is the conflict? Like the, there's this there's a 
I mean, not even that. Just what's going on? What's well, yeah, exactly. It's this like, guise what's of like the oh, geopolitical the, environment, right? The, <laughs> the, the you know the military is trying to trying to keep these rebels from building an airstrip. Yeah. In order to like de what was the like the title card it was like destabilize an ally or something like that, <laughs> but like there's no there's no explanation for what it is, why they're there, and like why they decided oh this is a great time to just do a dry test run of of our top secret uh, killer robot. Also, it seems like in the beginning of the movie the rebels speak Spanish, and then all of a sudden they can't understand Spanish anymore. It, that one. Greg, you, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, I think, it, yeah, it was hard to tell towards the end when, you know, the kind of evil American group and the rebels were both kind of doing the same thing. They were both, they were both trying to get solo at a certain point. So I couldn't really tell who was on whose side. That got yeah. that got to be a little confusing. Well, I think we for should me. explain the just that part of the plot uh, towards the end of the movie. The, Good luck. <laughs> yeah, the I'd... American, the the evil American corporal. Colonel. Colonel? Yeah, Corporal, isn't he? That's like low on the totem pole. Oh, like, is he's it? the Colonel. He was directing people around. Okay. Come on. Um, maybe. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know my, my U.S. Army ranks, to be honest. I'm pretty out of touch with that. But the. Uh, yeah, he was uh, trying to catch Solo. He hated Solo for some reason. He just despised this robot. Well, he was jealous, right? Yeah, super jelly. And he is like searching the jungle for Solo and ends up killing like a bunch of random people and blaming it on Solo and then teams up with the evil rebel army who they're trying to fight in the beginning of the movie just to find and kill Solo. It doesn't really make much. Like he's he's like comically evil. Yeah, he was a he was definitely painted with broad strokes. Yeah. Um, and then eventually he is disposed of by Solo and then another robot right that looks exactly like the evil colonel phase two yeah mm-hmm. duo was that what you <laughs> called it? yeah duo it's <laughs> really funny uh yeah they just kind of like i feel like most of these early movies one one of the, the phrases that i keep coming back to is just kind of all over the place mm-hmm. like they just threw a bunch of shit at the wall and were like okay this it looks like a movie so it, it must be a movie yeah mm-hmm. I think that can come to our next point. I know we've kind of already answered this, but is it a good movie? That's a resounding no. No. At least for me. I didn't think it was... I enjoyed it. I don't think it was a good movie. I don't think... I also... I came in having sort of high expectations. Not not in that it was going to be good, but that I was going to enjoy it. Right. Like pretty much every Birdie movie we've seen is like serious. And this one, there is it's sort of serious, but... It's it's a sci-fi action movie. You know, I was kind of like like oh, it's going to be, you know, like RoboCop. It's going to be silly. I I enjoyed this experience. It wasn't a good movie. I didn't think it was a bad movie. I enjoyed it. I I agree with that. I would say it's sort of like the oh man, how do I say this is like politically correct? It's like the sort of bastard mm-hmm. child of The Terminator and Rambo. But mm-hmm. if that bastard child also had some type of like developmental disorder, <laughs> where it just like didn't didn't get all the way all the way there, you know, and it it was campy, but it, it so yeah, I I laughed at a lot of it, and I think it was fun to watch, but I was also it did for a ninety four minute movie, it dragged by, it felt much longer, and to me that's kind of 
my indicator of whether or not it's a good movie because it's like you know you got to get into that flow state you know where it's oh that was man that was two and a half hours i didn't even didn't even feel like it or whatever it's just this was a it was a trial Mm -hmm. yeah uh it kind of played like i agree that it was campy it kind of played like an an arnold movie like you said terminator kind of like it it reminded me of predator as well yeah you know because they're in the jungle for sure which is a later is a later birdie movie is birdie and predator he's in predators which oh of predator mm, it's not a yeah it's like a sequel uh it that came out yeah i think lawrence fishburne's in that too yeah i, I want to say one th- i mean that that when i was you know doing some research in this movie one thing that i think we should mention when talking about if this movie is good is you know not not for many especially like big sources but a lot of things um have talked about this movie in retrospect as it being like a movie in the vein of a terminator um and uh, RoboCop and uh, Rambo, but that it stars an African American person. And that's that, true. And that, like you know, this article says, Mario Van Peebles solo is twenty years old today. So this article is from two thousand or uh, twenty sixteen. Wow. There haven't been many similar films starring black actors since then. So it you know it's notable that it's been rare that an African American character has led in an action film, sort of like this. That's an interesting point. I, I will say that to that end, I wish that the main character or and Mario Van Peebles himself, you know, I think he did a good job with being the robot, but at the same time, there's not a lot of room for, <laughs> you know, like nuanced acting to play as the robot, especially when, like, I mean, the solo character, I mean, he's, he's on the low end as far as, you know, he, humanoid robots are concerned i feel like he moves very stiffly and you know his his affect is constantly sort of this blank stare where he's just calculating all the time it seems like mm-hmm. and yeah. so i do that's interesting that i wouldn't have thought of that yeah but i do wish that he had a little bit more room to you know to showcase his his breadth of of you know acting ability i would say it's certainly um they certainly played up the race thing especially at the end when he's fighting the the white robot that's true yeah. the, mm-hmm. the general or whoever he was uh yeah i mean and we were commenting about that as well like there was only one black actor in the movie and it was actually, well we found that later that wasn't true but yeah. very few black actors in the movie but um mario von peebles that's his name yeah, van von, van, Peeble. von peebles yeah I, maybe we've been mispronouncing it the whole time maybe yeah uh he was i mean yeah he was the star He's, he was in nearly every scene. And I just want to say one other thing from this uh, article that has specific, that's specifically about Brody, just so we can get back to Brody. It says, it features an early performance by Adrian Brody, who actually plays a pivotal role in the movie as Solo's designer. This was about six years before his Academy Award winning performance in The Pianist. We all have to start somewhere, right? <laughs> that's what it says. We already started a while, a while ago, actually. We did. This they should have done the that. They should have done a little bit more research, I think. Right. I don't think this article has seen Brody's uh, earlier performances. <laughs> they didn't see 10, Benny. <laughs> no. Well, th- I mean, that that's good. That can lead into our next point. How does Adrian impact the movie? So I'm, I agree with Greg, Greg's earlier point that, that Brody, for whatever reason, like he felt out of place in this one. And I think as an actor or 
well, as a character. Because I, I definitely agree as a character. I mean, but as an actor, too, kind of. It felt like... It, I don't know why, but I just... I think that character needed to be, like, an older person. Because mm-hmm. it didn't re- I didn't really buy that, you know, 26-year-old Adrian Brody or whatever was this wonder kid and sort of you know electronics mastermind that built artificial intelligence single-handedly and had created you know sentient life to me it seemed a little i I just didn't believe it and i think it's possibly you know it's partially due to the acting and even more i think it's exaggerated by the costuming Mm-hmm. that he you know he seems childlike he's he's childish sort of and that just doesn't it's so incongruent with the setting and the tone that they're trying to just strike i feel like at the beginning of the movie that it just didn't it didn't jive with me i think that brings up an important theme in the movie though which is um kind of young versus old we have the old army general and the old uh army whatever the bad guy was and uh, everyone who was fighting against solo was old and then we have the the young kid who solo befriends in the village and solo who looks young himself and then adrian brody who's young um i think it was they cast him to go along with this theme and i didn't he was certainly a little bit out of place in the the army command center or wherever they were you know, he certainly shouldn't be dressing like that. But I think Brody and his mannerisms brought a lightheartedness, a much needed lightheartedness to the film, which every character is super serious. You know, I mean, especially uh, Solo, who cannot convey emotions. Or jokes. Yeah, who doesn't understand humor. Psych. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I, I think that my issue with Brody's character... And it's not it's not really his fault, but I just didn't buy that Brody's character made this robot. Like I, I just it, both in his mannerisms and just how he spoke. Uh, the only part that maybe felt like oh well maybe he made this robot was when he was just speaking a ton of jargon in his first appearance. But I didn't <laughs> but that's buy the only... that's the only part that makes him like oh he's a doctor. Everything else was him just defending um, Solo. Otherwise he was a pretty just like useless character. Yeah, he was definitely there to just prop up um, Solo's plight, I guess, mm-hmm. as the you know, as this misunderstood being or whatever. And I do think that if we're to buy Brody as the Doctor and as this technical genius, there we needed more early on to establish him as as that type of person. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, he's like, oh well, if I just like recalibrate your transometer or whatever at the beginning, but like you know you can just kind of wave your hands at it all you want but it's not the same as like showing us that oh yeah he's capable of doing this thing it's i don't know i do i that is an interesting point though about the old the old versus young thing because mm-hmm. and that sort of defines the uh the antagonist's opposition to solo as well right where he's right. like he's mm-hmm. totally stuck in his like old way of thinking where you know battles are fought by men who you know take orders from up above as opposed to just like a i don't know a robot i guess <laughs> but that is that is interesting i didn't even think about that he's afraid of the future true i mean the I future get... is young people i mean maybe if <laughs> if you i know it's not explicit but if you do 
talk again about i guess the racism involved in the movie potentially the fact that like the old guard you know mm. all white people yeah. right is all white people and they don't really um you know maybe they're not as accepting of having uh black people or african-americans in the armed forces around them but the young people are like you know he's just like another person um whether he's a robot or just an african-american hmm. so maybe there's more to this movie than i initially gave it credit for yeah van peebskis yeah <laughs> man van peebles he knew what he was doing yeah. he was a, he was on the cutting edge 1996 mm-hmm. yeah for sure uh i think we can move on to uh the line of the week Oh boy, Greg, would you like to take this one? Oh, um, yeah. The line of the week, I thought there weren't. I didn't feel like there were a lot of great ones. Um, but I think the one line was when Adrian Brody's character is is uh, dying. He just kind of makes a little joke, and he's like, "He's like, oh, should have stayed in college." Um, which you know, it it wasn't especially funny, and he was like dying. It was a little inappropriate again. But I think you know, if there was one, that was probably it. He delivered it with you know, with um. He delivered it pretty well. Yeah, which begs the question, really, how old is Brody's character? That's what I'm saying. It's just... Yeah, and is he is he a doctor? I guess he wasn't a doctor in the credits, but yeah, they just called him Bill Stewart. But I thought he was a doctor based on the IMDb. I think I saw it in a couple other places. Yeah, I could have sworn that they called him a doctor. And as wasn't well. he wearing like a doctor's coat, like a white coat at the beginning? Yeah, well, anyone can like, wear a doctor's coat. Well, yeah, but like I mean, you're no, they give to... that to you in <laughs> med school. Yeah, it's like your first week. Yeah. Right, they give you so, the doctor code. So he's a medical doctor. Well, I don't know. He's a doctor of something. Like you think that someone with extensive schooling would be able to can come up with artificial intelligence? I don't know if somebody with a bachelor's degree in physical therapy or whatever is gonna. Yeah. Or did he drop out of college though? I have no idea. A bachelor's degree in, in film and media studies. Yeah. <laughs> hey, there's still hope for us yet. <laughs> Yeah, I I liked that line. I also liked when they were, when he was sort of. We had a flashback when Solo mm. is on low power, and he's he's sort of remembering all of the moments <laughs> that he's had prior, and he remembers his early early stages in his development when he's choosing his face, and Adrian is watching a Michigan State basketball game, and they're looking through all these different faces that that Solo can have, and then a a Jordan, a commercial for Jordan brand shoes comes on mm-hmm. and solo with his like robotic face looks at Michael and he says, like Mike <laughs> and, and Adrian says, ah, you got good taste kid or something like that. And that, that was my favorite. Cause it's just kind of, and then they, yeah. Well, and then right before that, he tries to explain what a joke is to solo. Mm-hmm. So, so Adrian Brody laughs and solo goes, why does he laugh? Because, oh, Solo, like, crushes an egg or something. That's right. He's trying to teach him, I guess, you know, dexterity. How to not not use his immense strength. How to be delicate, yeah. And he crushes the egg, and Brody laughs. And Solo goes, what is that? He goes, it's laugh. Or laughter. And then he goes, like, why did you do that? And he goes, because, or, like, what makes you laugh? Like, a joke. And then Solo goes, like, what's a joke? And Brody goes, it's something that makes you laugh. Which is the opposite of how you define things, I think. Circular logic? Yeah. Or recursive logic, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Well, so that was a bit funny, I guess. It didn't really make much sense. Yeah. But I'd like to go back to Greg's line, actually, and mm-hmm. uh, point out something. Uh, so we saw Brody die in this film. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Brody is uh, 
I guess, kind of kidnapped by the evil Americans. I mean, not really kidnapped. He, like, willingly goes, but they they beat him up and use him as a bait to capture Solo. And Solo saves him, except I guess it's too late, or in the ensuing battle, Brody gets shot, maybe. It's not entirely clear. Yeah, it's unclear how he... But mm. Brody is, is bloodied, and he's saying his final words to to Solo. And I, as he says, he should have stayed in college. And he gives Solo, like, the the programming chip, battery, whatever it is. His so power so- management <laughs> chip. Yeah. <laughs> so Solo can, can get more energy. Uh, but then Brody dies. We see it. That's the first death scene. Although, that's not... It's weirdly, it's not his last scene in the movie. He dies, and then Solo carries around carries him his limp body around like a sack <laughs> no, of potatoes yeah. for like two more scenes. He just like jumps around the jungle and like carries him up to this temple where he can he can bury him properly. It's weird. Does he bury him or he just well, leaves he just, him? He lays him on that like cement slab, and then the the white robot comes in and they and they rumble. Yeah, the ancient Mayan temple. The temple. I'm I'm assuming it's Mayan, maybe maybe Incan. I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But it's it plays like a pretty big uh, part in the movie. Yeah, whenever that they're was in their the major temple, set piece. <laughs> yeah, major set piece. And whenever they're in the temple, you hear a pan flute music playing. <laughs> That's when they're doing something like native or tribal. <laughs> the mythology. Yeah. So you have a musical cue to show that. Ah, <laughs> oh, look, he's connected to the human race. Yeah, and they they tie that part of the you know the the tribal aspect air quotes again. Uh, it is they keep putting like mud like under their eyes and on their forehead, and they the uh, Mexican people, um, that Solo helps like do that to Solo. I think when he first gets there and help he helps them a little bit. They put this mud on his forehead and under his eyes. So that's a recurring theme as well. Yeah, he's one of them. Yeah. So best scene is that is that uh, next? Uh, next is Adrian's overall growth. So. Oh. I mean, it, this didn't do anything for no, him. This doesn't move the needle at all. No, it didn't do anything for me. His his character wasn't especially big. It wasn't especially interesting. I don't think many people were seeing this. Be like, oh, we got to get Adrian in our movie. I mean, it's. I guess it was an opportunity for him. Maybe he made a couple bucks. But you know, I, I don't think that this makes you know his growth one way or the other for me. Yeah, I agree. I think I do think he had you know one good scene, and we'll we'll get to that. Um, when we talk about you know his best scene for the week, but I I agree it's this was sort of forgettable. Well, it's his first action movie, which is interesting. Yeah, he's, but he wasn't in the dipping action, his, dipping his know? toes into the the action pool. The only action that he had was when he was getting carried by <laughs> by Van <laughs> Peebles, and it, that was probably just like uh, that probably wasn't even him. Body double. Yeah. yeah, Adrian does all his own stunts, especially when he's a corpse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, he, he he got to to die. We got to see his first death. Yeah, I didn't think he died very well. No, he actually no. didn't. <laughs> and I, that's why, like you know that, and that's probably the scene that I would say was the his best for the week. But even then, like his his performance in that scene w- wasn't. I mean, I don't know. It's not. It wasn't anything to write home about. Mm-hmm. Well, because I'll say it doesn't seem like he's gonna die. Like, because we never see him get gravely injured. So we don't think he's gonna die. Like he's just talking to to Solo. I mean, he, we can see he's clearly hurt. He's bloodied, and then all of a sudden he like looks the other way and plops backwards. It's like, oh, I guess 
he's dead. It was it was quite sudden. Yeah. <gasps> and then he's he's out. That was me. I t- I turned my head. Yeah. I? I saw. Um. Yeah. I w- <laughs> I will say that if you know that's probably the best scene for me for for Adrian this week. But I would say my favorite scene from the movie is not with Adrian, but with. And I don't know why, and I don't know if you guys even remember this at all, but the so in the like climactic battle scene or, or the the penultimate battle scene with the original colonel, he he sort of just appears at like this high high vantage point on this mounted gun that we've <laughs> never seen before, where it just sort of appears out of nowhere, and he he's like, "You can run, but you can't hide," and he shoots shoots grenades at Solo, and Solo. In order to, <laughs> in order to dis- like to, to dodge them, he just does all these backflips and is is like catapult or uh, or cartwheeling away. <laughs> it's it's absolutely hysterical. It's not the fastest way to escape something <laughs> in any in any situation. What I just feel like you'd be so disoriented, right? Like you're just like flipping around and things are exploding next to you. And there's this. It, it was robots don't get disoriented that's true that his inner ear uh is is never out of balance or whatever (laughs) that was that's my favorite that was my favorite scene it was probably two seconds and it was it's just spectacular so what'd you say your favorite birdie scene was Uh, him dying probably just because that was the most where he got to like do something that wasn't like oh solo you're hurt here's your electrical gibbity gobbity or whatever the fuck my favorite birdie scene it wasn't because he was especially good in it i guess it's just guys sort of enjoyed it but it was the one that spencer said was had his favorite line in it that had you know that michael jordan reference uh just because they were in solo and uh birdie were in this weird orby thing that was like a future uh workspace um and birdie was just like cracking jokes and it was like showing him have a relationship with solo and it was really the only time he had a relationship with any character I felt and really was having a conversation. Um, I mean, it wasn't, it, he didn't, he wasn't especially great in it, but he got some screen time for a sort of extended period of time. So that's what I'm choosing. I like the one where he, or they, they just tell him that they're going to reprogram solo. And so after he fails his first mission, they're going to send him back to some base and have him reprogrammed. And Adrian, he kind of looks sad it's like, all right, like, I'll go tell him myself. And then someone, or the, the evil army guy is like, why? Why would you do that? And he says something like, because it's being a good person. or It's doing, the right thing yeah, to do. Yeah, doing the right thing. I kind of like that scene. You, could, you can definitely uh, tell some real emotion coming from Brody. I thought it was well acted. I, it was not his best acting. I can see the face you're making. It's not... <laughs> Not the best acting from Brody, but just in terms of this movie, which wasn't great, I thought it was it was fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. It's, now it's how the scene fits in overall, right? Is that the next? Uh... Oh, I mean, we can just do the, the definitive list or For, our top s- top three and bottom three scenes or movies. Movies. Oh man. Oh, um, I think my I, I always I just kind of switch a couple every week, yeah, but I think her. my number one. Oh shit! I'm trying to. I think my number one. I'll put. I'll put King of the Hill this week. Ooh. Two. I'll put Boy Who Cried Bitch. Third. Man, I don't even know. I guess I'll put. I'll throw Ten Benny in there. Mm. 
Um, I'm I'm a little down on Birdie this week. I, I'm sorry to say that. I just it wasn't his fault in this movie, it but really wasn't. You know, the writing was really poor. But I, I'm I'm a little down this week. I think I'm gonna. I don't know. My love of like B movies just is telling me that I should put this at three, and I'm going to because nice. it. You know, it's if anything, it gave me an opportunity to say solo a bunch of times. Like, but remember, we're. This rank is about Brody's performance, not about the movie itself. True. So I know... I mean, we all had a fun time watching this, but we all agreed that it's not good, but we had a fun time watching it. You're right. I'm breaking the rules. But we got to talk about his performance alone and his character. Okay. So in that case, my... His solo performance, if you will. There you go. Wow, that was good. Ugh, thanks. That's good. (laughs) I would... Yeah. Wow. I'll say... Boy Who Cried Bitch, King of the Hill, and then I'm going to say I'm going to say Jailbreakers at three. Ooh. Okay. Jailbreakers. I just remember, for some reason, I remember him riding that motorcycle. And I was like, yeah, this guy, <laughs> this guy's cool. Yeah. I'm still going with King of the Hill as number one. Uh, I think Boy Who Cried Bitch, too. Um, I really don't remember what I enjoyed and what I didn't enjoy. Uh, I, you know, I'll I'll go Jailbreakers as well. Ooh, okay. I thought it was fine in Jailbreakers. So it's still best scene overall. We'll throw that. That's that's one of the. We usually don't do that, but yeah, I think no, we do. We, we could. I think we do. I'm gonna throw uh, the King of the yeah, Hill maybe. running scene is still number one oh, for right, me. We do. When yeah, he's right, chasing right. the kid, the kid's in the car. Brody appears, saves the day, and has a can of gas in his hand, not sweating at all <laughs> in hundred degrees St. Louis weather. I love Brody in that scene. Sweltering heat. I'm smiling. I can't get the smile off my face right now. He's thinking about him. Ear to ear. You saying that it's that movie, King of the Hill, and even Boy You Cried Bitch, they're I remember them much more than some of the other ones we've watched, like Ten Benny and Jailbreakers. They were they were better. Well, King of the Hill, it felt like was one that was that was like actually a movie, you know, like (laughs) (laughs) like. (laughs) What do you mean by that? Well, oh god, that's gonna be hard to explain. But it, it felt like, it felt like it was well conceived, and a lot of these other ones kind of seem half baked, which you know they're uh, like Jailbreakers was made for TV, like Solo, I can't imagine it had a very wide theatrical release. Um, you know the the well, we're forgetting about Angels in the Outfield. Okay, but Angels in the Outfield, he wasn't really in it too much. Like King of the Hill, he was a he had a pivotal yeah. role that it felt like it was a an overall like well produced, well well acted, well shot. It was it felt like the most professional, I guess, um, <laughs> piece of filmmaking that we've we've experienced yeah, so absolutely. far. Absolutely, definitely agree. So that's what I mean. Um, oh, and we never discussed our bottom three, but. I mean, we can all re- resoundingly agree that Natural Born Killers is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Even though he was not in it. Right. Yeah, and New York Stories and what else? Angels in the Outfield. I think those are just our yeah. permanent bottom three. I mean, we probably, I mean, if we're going to play by the rules, I feel like Solo should be in the bottom three. Just because, like, his role, like, we, we it was his role was kind of like, meh, you know? It just, it was so middle of the road. Yeah, but I wouldn't say it was worse than Angels in the Outfield. You know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Angels in the Outfield wasn't great. It's but. certainly not in my top three, and but I don't know if it's in my bottom three. 
I guess, yeah. I mean, that's just kind of. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. I commend you for that. All right. Uh, Greg, would you like to discuss the quote of the week? Yeah. You know, I I was having a difficult time figuring out one that really fit this movie, but I do do want to say I came across um, just an article with The Guardian that I may have taken a quote from previously, but one thing it mentions in here is that between King of the Hill in um which is 93 i believe uh between king of the hill and thin red line which we're getting to in 98 98? brody had he had a lot of roles but really nothing that notable i think that, that that's something that seems it's mentioned in this article i think we're kind of witnessing um between these and, and we'll, when we talk about thin red line we'll talk about the issues with that movie and Brody's issues uh, with Terrence Malick and, and a couple other things, um, but just he's he's kind of he's he's figuring it out or trying to taking jobs where he can get them, and I think this movie um, is also speaks to that. Uh, so regarding the line, um, let me get to it here. So they're talking about Brody and how and his acting style. And it says, Brody is an actor down to the tiniest tick in his cheek, which I don't entirely know what that means. But it says, it consumes him, defines him even. The characters he plays are usually loners, isolated, complicated, and often subversive. This character is really none of those things. (laughs) It's not, the character's not really isolated, the character's not complicated, and it's not subversive. I I disagree with you. Okay, let's hear it. I think that these, so... If anything, this character is two of those three things. It's He's isolated and subversive in the sense that he doesn't fit in, which we discussed earlier, where he doesn't feel like he fits in at all with the with the setting and the other cast of characters, at least where they are in this top-secret military base. So there's an isolation, maybe not physically isolated, but emotionally and, you know... Uh, I don't know, existentially isolated, maybe. And then subversive, I mean, he's going against direct orders um, to save his creation. So I think, I mean, that's subverting, you know, the the powers that be in some way. I will I will say that he is definitely not complicated. There, He has one motivation, that is to save Solo, and that's it. And there's there's nothing complex about the character whatsoever. Certainly not. But I think you know that's. I mean, it, it might be like slightly exaggerated in in that article, but I I think that that two of those three things hold true for this mm. this character. Yeah, I pretty much agree. That was just I, I should also sorry sorry to um, step over you, You're Goldberg. But this also this article came out in two thousand six. So I think that's important to mention, just based on where he was in his career at this mm. point. Mm. Good point. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really have much to contribute. I just agree with that. Certainly, certainly not a complex character in this one, but yeah, no, not at all. Although, to be fair, I feel like what in this movie was complex? I mean, nothing. Well. Maybe maybe the maybe the you know the, the if we're gonna put of in racism and yeah. you know the young versus old thing and I do think you know to geopolitical be, conflict right you yeah. know it's it's like a yeah it's a cold war type thing I don't know 
Um, the thing that that I did think was sort of well done for this movie was I thought the sound design was actually pretty good. Like they used, um, and you know, it's it's partially just like part probably my interpretation of what it is. But when you were talking about how you know, like oh, they all of these people are speaking Spanish, and then then afterwards they they kind of all just switch to English. And I do think that that was sort of a function of being most of the movie is told through Solo's perspective and we can see him, you know, like switch his language input or whatever, trying to figure out what they're saying. And then while he's t- like turning the knob or whatever, you know, the the kid goes from speaking Portuguese to speaking English. And so the, it was it was sophisticated in that respect, I suppose, just because like it makes you it's it's weird to to see something like that i feel like in in a movie like this where it's like there's an actual explanation for why they're speaking english now because mm-hmm. normally it's just like oh why do all these like native people speak english that's weird right like but this one it's like oh they were were speaking their language first and then he's it's it's filtered through his you know language processor or whatever the fuck you know you know i'm not sure how intended that was <laughs> I Fair mean, enough. yeah, you could be. It could have been intended, and that's in- interesting and cool to see. But I'm not so sure if that was the intention of of the producers and the creative team of this movie. I'm giving them too much credit. <laughs> yeah. If we are talking about things we like about this movie, though, I going off of that, I liked um, the editing technique when uh, Solo was, I guess, like changing things in his in his brain or in his like in his mainframe. Um, there, there were kind of, it was kind of cutting back into past memories. Um, and there were just different things coming up on the screen here and there, some red flashes, some static. I thought that that looked pretty good. I didn't, I didn't really understand it from a story perspective, but I thought it looked pretty good for 96. I think it was, it was pretty good editing techniques. It was interesting. Yeah, I I agree with that. I thought you were going to talk about like the objectives that came up on the screen. No, I, I thought I, that looked terrible. Yeah, that was pretty awful. That I was, was gonna it? say. No, I mean for for 1996. Yeah, I well, just to explain okay. that it, it said like primary objective. Yeah, but when did the Matrix come self. out? Preserve self. 1999. The Matrix looked good, and the Matrix was just a better green text for <laughs> over That's black true. version. That's true. Uh, should we start wrapping things up? Yeah. Start talking about next week's movie. Yeah. What are we watching next week? We're watching Bullet. Oh, bullet. Okay. Yeah. I actually have no idea what it is, but I'm gonna. It, I'm excited. Bullet. It was uh, with Mickey Rourke. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Mickey Rourke. Oh, sorry. Mickey Rourke and Tupac. Oh, oh shit. Hell yeah. Yeah. Oh, I knew. I'd read something that that he they became friends. Tupac and uh, Adrian became friends. They probably I should be bonded able to, over their love of hip hop. Yeah, I should be able to get a good quote for that next week. Yeah, because Mickey Rourke was the music supervisor of the film. What? Yeah. What? Seems he was in it, and he was the music supervisor. What? He's not. Why, why do you guys look so confused? Because Mickey Rourke with Tupac. But you had fucking Tupac in the movie. Yeah, but I don't know. This is, it's saying here that Mickey Rourke was the music supervisor. Look, we can go into this next week. I can't wait to hear what music uh, Mickey Rourke picks for I'm, Bullet. I'm excited. Uh, where to find it? Yes, some shady sites. It's Don't, not at the local library? No, not at the local library. Not anywhere you can pay for it. What? Really? Yeah. Well, unless we get the DVD. But uh, 
based on our past experience with DVD.com. I don't think we'll be doing that again. Good luck. Yeah. It, you know, if you if you want to watch along with us, you can find it. We're not going to say where and or how or how, or but why? Yeah, well, I mean, you can you can always use dvd.com. Um our our last experience with dvd.com yielded us a non-functional DVD. So we're a little little miffed. Yeah. Well, see you all next week. Thanks for listening in. Cool. Solo. Solo.